Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week... I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. Welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This week I wanted to focus on a story that recently hit the news that was pretty disturbing. A woman was thrown from a balcony and killed the day after Valentine's Day. An event horrific which was made even worse by the fact that she had taken precautions to keep anything like this from happening to her. It brings to light a lot of issues that just get pushed under the rug. Stalking and intimate partner violence. This week I'll talk about the murder and stalking of therapist Dr. Amy Harwick and the murder of student Alina Scheichet. Since this is a very recent story, there's not a lot of information out there. Most of what I read were just rehashes of the same information. But I did get the majority of my information from a 48 Hours episode by Aaron Moriarty, who did a very extensive story. It's the photos that really catch your eye when you read about the murder of Amy Harwick. She was a stunning woman to look at. And it's no surprise that she was a former model and actress. But, you know, she was so much more. She was a photographer, an author, producer, and a very respected sex therapist. Amy Harwick was born in Sellerville, Pennsylvania on May 20th, 1981. And after graduating North Penn High School in 1999, she moved to California. 
Amy had a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from California Polytech University in Panoma, California, and a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy from Pepperdine University. She graduated from the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality with a doctorate in human sexuality. And from there, she became a licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is just listed on her IMDb page. It's not too shabby. As well as helping patients in day-to-day life with their issues, she also sought to expand her reach by having a YouTube channel dealing with sex and relationships. And perhaps the fact that she knew about relationships so well was what made her biggest problem in life such a conundrum. See, Amy had a stalker. He was an ex-boyfriend named Gareth Pursehouse. And what happened between them has shown how scary domestic violence and stalking can become. It was sometime after 1 a.m. in the morning of February 15th that police responded to a call of a woman screaming. And upon arriving to the residence of Amy Harwick, they found the 38-year-old lying on the ground. She'd been thrown from her third-floor balcony. And as well as injuries that would occur in a fall, police also noticed signs of strangulation. So how did Amy come to allegedly be murdered by an ex when it had been years since their relationship ended? Pursehouse had stalked his ex after their relationship ended, causing Amy Harwick to file multiple restraining orders against him. Now, back in the beginning, Amy met the software engineer and photographer in 2011, and they began dating and eventually moved in together in a place in Sherman Oaks. But it wasn't long after that things allegedly turned abusive. Now, at that time, she was a performance artist and model, and he was side-gigging as a photographer for the adult film industry and events while working as a software engineer by day. Her best friend, Robert Koshland, knew all about this abuse. She told him about one fight with Gareth Pursehouse. They were yelling back and forth when she threw a pillow at him, and he responded by bashing her head into the floor. Beginning in June of 2011, she filed two separate restraining orders against him. In these orders, she spoke of how one time, Pursehouse pushed her out of a car onto the freeway. Other times, he choked and tried to suffocate her. Amy was in fear for her life, and she said he told her that he hit her because she made him so mad, and he refused to get any kind of help while they were together in this relationship. Pursehouse was ordered not to make any contact with her officially in 2015. Getting away from Gareth Pursehouse seemed to be effective for her. Amy went on with life. This is when she became a licensed marriage therapist and earned her doctorate. And she began dating again, as hard as that probably was. And at one point, she was even engaged to comedian Drew Carey. And although that relationship didn't last, the two remained pretty close friends. And it's just a testament to the type of person that Amy Harwick was. She was fun and vibrant and always there whenever her friends needed her. Her best friend Robert credits her with getting him through his difficult divorce. And another friend, Ashley Willis, recalls how she was a doctor by day, but she was just electric at night. I mean, how many therapists do you know that can put lit fire batons in their mouth? 
I'd known of Amy Harwick from some of the pinup models that I follow. She appeared in a lot of pictures and Instagram on, you know, the ones that I follow frequently with my favorite Miss Mosh. As well as being a therapist, she was a photographer of pinups and a model herself. She had this very stunning kind of Dita Von Tees look. She always looked perfect, gorgeous, and especially when it was time to go out at night. Sadly, it was a red carpet event, one of the things that she loved so much that threw her back into the world of Gareth Purse House. So it was January 16th, the night of the Golden Globes of Porn. They're called the Ex-Biz Awards. Amy had received a free ticket because of charity work she did with a group that's called Pineapple Support, and they subsidize mental health for performers in the adult film industry. Amy came dressed to the nines. She was in this beautiful, long black gown. It was reminiscent of kind of old Hollywood. The event was hosted by a media sensation, Stormy Daniels. And as fate would have it, Gareth Pursehouse was also there working as a photographer. Now, according to an article in the Los Angeles Times by Harriet Ryan, when Gareth saw Amy, he became furious, crying and yelling at his ex from eight years ago. Perhaps going into some kind of therapist mode, Amy took him aside and she tried to calm him down. Hernando Chavez, a friend of Harwick's who attended the event with her, recalls what happened. Chavez stepped away to get a drink, only to return to see Pursehouse yelling and screaming at Amy, saying that she ruined his life. He was yelling, you're a hypocrite. You broke my heart. How can you be here? And Chavez said it seemed to reignite his obsessive preoccupation with her. Another friend at the scene, Vera Duffy, said that Pursehouse went ballistic, making a scene. And at one point, he even fell to the floor in the fetal position. So that's when Amy took him aside and she tried to calm him down. They spoke together for close to 45 minutes before Chavez came over, suggested they wrap up the conversation since the red carpet was about to close. Later in the evening, Pursehouse came to Amy's table, wanting to speak some more with her. And being the nice person that she was, she agreed, and they spoke together for another half hour. Afterward, instead of attending an after-party event, which she really wanted to go to, Amy declined. This night had shaken her to her core, and she just wanted to get the hell out of there. Amy told Chavez that she wanted to share her phone location with him, saying, quote, if anything ever happens to me, you know it's him. She said she was going home, and then later on she was going to buy pepper spray, then go to the police as a precautionary measure. This isn't just an ordinary run-of-the-mill encounter with somebody. This really freaked her out. Amy went to the police, terrified that he would show up at her home, and she did have cause to fear this because after their initial breakup, he had broken into her home. The first time he broke in, he smashed picture frames against her front door. He then texted her saying things would get much worse. Another time, nude photos of Amy had been sent to prospective employers. She feared that Gareth had tampered with her computer, and then when it was checked, it did appear to have been wiped. All of her settings and files were erased. It seems that the police possibly didn't pursue any charges against him because the original restraining order had expired. Pursehouse was back to incessantly calling and texting his ex. 
She just simply told him she didn't want to speak with him anymore, just trying to quash the whole situation. On the outside, she was very calm, but on the inside, she was terrified. Pepper spray was obtained, and she had her locks checked by a locksmith. She did everything right, but this nightmare had started all over again. Now, not long after all of this, on a podcast episode of something called Dady Ladies, Amy told hosts and friends Vera and Barbara Ann Duffy that she was afraid and she didn't know the best way to protect herself. It was on the same podcast that she gave professional advice on getting over a broken heart. On February 14th, Amy attended a burlesque show with some friends. She returned home in the late hours of February 14th, responding back to her friend Robert's text that he had sent at 11 p.m. around 1 a.m. But little did Amy know Gareth Pursehouse had broken into her home around midnight and was lying in wait. Around 1.16 a.m. came the report of a woman screaming. Police came and were met in the street by Amy's roommate, and she was saying that Amy was being attacked. From there, police found Amy unconscious underneath her third-floor balcony. Robert Koshland recalls waking up that next morning to missed calls and a really strange message from Amy's roommate saying that there'd been an attack and that he needed to come down to the police station. And that was where he got the terrible news. Up until this point, police weren't even sure who the attacker was or what the motive would have been. And Koshland was the one who alerted police to Amy's attacker, Gareth Pursehouse. Amy Harwick had been strangled and thrown from her third-floor balcony. I guess the worst part was her death wasn't even instant. She remained unconscious and later passed away at the hospital. And the really frustrating thing is that Amy Harwick did everything right. She took the right avenues to fight off her stalker. She got the restraining orders. She tried to de-escalate the situation when she ran into him at this award show. And sadly, domestic abuse and stalking is something some women are all too familiar with. Yes, of course, it does happen to men, too. It's a problem that affects every social status and type of person. I mean, that much we all share. The abuse that people suffer ranges from emotional, financial, sexual, to physical. You just do an online search for stalking or domestic violence in your area, and you'll find the list of cases astounding. And I didn't even have to do a search to recall a case that happened in my area. For this story, I got a lot of information on yourtango.com. There was an article by Emily Blackwood, also people.com, and one by Elizabeth Spath and Harry Shuckman on thetab.com. The morning of October 8, 2017, 20-year-old Alina Scheichert was supposed to get picked up by her parents, Jan and Ellie, at their home in Oakland. Now, Oakland's where the university is located, and it's where most of the college students live up here. They were headed to the park that morning for a breast cancer charity walk, and it was also to be attended by her friend Zach. Ellie, her mother, and Zach went to the door to get her while her dad, Jan, and the dog waited in the car. After knocking for five minutes, her mother began to panic because It was not like Elena to not answer the door, especially when she was expecting them. This was weird. Jan got out, and he decided to break down the door. Zach said, 
At this point, I was halfway up the stairs, and all I heard was screaming. Her parents were screaming at the top of their lungs, saying, Alina's dead, Alina's dead. And it got hard to understand. They started speaking in Russian. It was horrible. They said it looked like her face had been cut off. Alina was lying in a pool of blood, hardly recognizable. She had multiple chop and stab wounds to her head and face. And her family immediately knew who had to be responsible. Her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Matthew Darby. Alina's parents, along with her and her brother, Artem, moved from Russia to the United States when she was just four years old. She was studying at the University of Pittsburgh to become a physical therapist. Alina had met Matthew Darby while studying at the Pitts-Greensburg campus. The two had dated and become an item, but I guess Alina had hoped to end the relationship when she transferred to the Oakland campus. According to Zach, Matthew was abusive. He said halfway into the sophomore year was when he found out. Darby was controlling, jealous, as well as dangerous. He recalled an incident that was just one month before the attack. Matthew Darby argued with Alina for about 20 minutes, insisting that she was cheating on him with another guy. All the while, Alina pleaded with him to stop. He said that this was just typical of Darby, that he would just flip out for no reason. Zach recalls Darby got nuts over the littlest things. For instance, if she liked a picture of a guy on Instagram, Darby would go and unlike it because he had all her passwords to all of her accounts. He even controlled what she wore. And if Alina didn't answer the phone when he called, he would call over and over and over, upwards of 20 times in a row until she would answer. So the last straw seemed to be after September 20th. This is what happened then. Around 12.30 a.m., Zach heard glass breaking outside the apartment. But considering where they lived, he didn't think much of it. Oakland is full of partying college students. It was when he heard a scream that he became alarmed. Matthew had climbed up a drain pipe to get into Alina's room, and the scream came from Alina. Police were called, and Alina filed what's called a Protection from Abuse Order, or a PFA, against Darby. Now, here in Pennsylvania, it's what we file as a restraining order. If it's violated, the person goes to jail. And the PFA order describes things that the offender cannot do, like contact a victim. Working where I do in a substance abuse clinic, I hear a lot about PFAs, unfortunately. Police arrested Darby on September 26th, and they charged him with criminal trespass for the incident on the 20th. However, the PFA did not deter him. In the early morning hours of October 8th, Darby was picked up by an Uber at his home in Duquesne after trying to call Alina five times with no answer. He told the driver to wait for him outside for at least 10 minutes while he went inside. He's outside her home. Darby then broke into the home via the basement, and that's where he found some knives and a claw hammer. Now, possibly before the attack, he called the driver and he asked him to wait longer. They say he spoke in a whisper. The driver didn't wait and ended up leaving. It didn't matter to Darby. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Who went on with his vicious attack? The autopsy of Elena confirmed how traumatic and brutal the attack actually was. Darby had fractured her head in two places, broke her nose, stabbed her in the mouth and face. In all, she lost seven teeth during this nightmare. After killing his ex-girlfriend, Darby fled the area. He knew police would be looking for him. Days after the attack, he was arrested clear down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, after he was caught trying to break into a home. Amazingly, at around the same time, Darby was also charged in the rape of a 17-year-old girl. This young girl told a judge that Darby had picked her up for a date and that he had stopped in a church parking lot, and that's where he raped her in the woods nearby. The crime occurred in the time between his arrest for trespassing and the murder of Elena. He was sentenced to three to ten years for the rape of the young girl from Elizabeth and life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of Alina. Her mother spoke out at the sentencing hearing. Ellie said of her daughter at the hearing, She is much more beautiful and powerful now. Alina is a beautiful angel. She brought so many people together by loving and supporting each other, and she is guiding and helping us to make this world a better place. And as long as the earth rotates on its axis, the world will be carrying her love and her beauty. Her family are now trying to fix what seems to be like big flaws in the PFA order system. When Alina went to go see about the order, she was asked to provide Darby's address in Greensburg, which she didn't have at all, and a fax number to send to Westmoreland County authorities, which was another thing she didn't have. Because of the snafu about Darby's address in Greensburg, where he didn't live anymore, the protection order wasn't issued until October 15th. When Alina went to this place, she didn't feel like she was supported by the officers that she spoke with. Alina's parents are now trying to get legislation to allow judges dealing with PFAs to only release defendants with a GPS monitoring system if they're determined to be a threat and they would like to call this Alina's Law. Her brother, Artem, who had just turned 25 the week of his sister's murder, and his wife just had their baby girl three weeks before the murder, saying of his newborn daughter, she doesn't even know what kind of world she's been brought into. But despite his pain, he tries to remain optimistic like his sister was. And her mother said of dealing with the loss, that it's like a roller coaster. Every day I feel different. It feels like both of my legs got amputated and I have to learn how to walk again. 
Her mother believes that if there had been stricter laws dealing with PFAs, that her daughter would still be alive. A similar measure was sponsored previously by Senate Minority Leader Jay Costa, but it failed to reach a vote in the House. Ann Emerling, director of the Blackburn Center Against Domestic and Sexual Violence in Greensburg, said, I think it's important for the whole community to recognize the seriousness of domestic violence and consider a number of strategies for the protection of victims. Now, like I said, for my job, I hear a lot of this stuff. And I recently had to take some courses on learning how to see the signs of domestic abuse. And I really learned a lot. The statistics are absolutely alarming. Did you know that a woman is more likely to be injured, raped, or killed by a former partner than any other person? One in seven women and one in 15 men have experienced some form of fearful or threatening stalking situation at one point by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And most abusive relationships, of course, don't start out abusive. There are, in fact, four stages of this. The first stage is called the honeymoon stage. This is the beginning of the relationship when the person is on their best behavior. The second stage is something called tension building. And that's when the abuse actually starts as verbal and emotional. The other person in a relationship feels like they're walking on eggshells around the other person. The third stage is called the blow up. And that's when things become violent physically and or sexually. And the fourth stage is once again called the honeymoon. And that's when the offender apologizes for what they've done, even going so far as to buy gifts. There's a variety of reasons, of course, why people stay in abusive relationships. It's everything from fear of retaliation, fear of the loss of economic status, losing your child or children, to not being believed about your accusations. A victim of intimate partner violence attempts to leave seven times before being successful. And the CDC classifies IPV as the willful intimidation through assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behaviors. The abuses are rarely isolated events, and they usually escalate in frequency. And this can affect every person from every walk of life. This is sadly something that does not discriminate. But there are things you can do to try to protect yourself and get out of a harmful situation if you are in one. The National Advisory Council on Violence Against Women suggests comprehensive prevention strategies and ongoing evaluation for the victims and perpetrators. Now, while anger management doesn't seem to work for the offenders, it is helpful to recognize how they feel about the victim. Obviously, it's something that takes a lot of work, and we need much better laws to protect victims of abuse. I do like that I learned that there are safe houses for women, which of course I knew, but I didn't know that they did things like, you know, uh, in states like California, they will forward your mail, and it's a program called Safe at Home. This is definitely not easy to escape an abusive or stalking situation. When people are subjected to abuse, it can affect how they then act and feel about themselves. They will become withdrawn, depressed, and it can even affect their physical health. Most develop very low self-esteem due to the abuse. It's a very layered, complicated subject that I don't think anyone can understand fully unless they've witnessed it firsthand or they know someone who has.
Like I said earlier, just go online and type in domestic violence in the area that you live in, and you'll just sadly see story after story. Amy and Elena's stories are not rare, isolated cases. It's pretty much the norm for victims of IPV. So this is why it's so important to know what happens in your area and to help support change in the courts. That was the murder and the stalking deaths of Amy Harwick and Alina Scheichert. Stories like these are very, very important. It's important to know the signs of abuse so that you can prevent it or escape it. I hope you listened to one of my recent episodes about the disappearance of Tony Turner. Live PD just did a short segment of her recently, so there's a lot of hope that that will turn up some leads. Until then, light a candle in honor of Tony, like her sister Sydney suggested. And please keep her and her family in your thoughts. And if you know or have any information, please come forward and tell someone because it's never too late to make a change. I do have to apologize for being kind of absent with the podcast lately. I've been pretty much spending a good bit of my days off going back to West Virginia to care for my mom because she has not been well. I haven't really been caring for her. I've been doing like grocery shopping and things like that for her. So she's doing all right, but I need to get back on track. And now seems to be a good time since everybody seems to be housebound with the whole coronavirus. Um, So I hope everyone's doing all right. I definitely want to welcome some of the newest members of the Red Run Blonde discussion group. And I haven't done that in a really long time. So if I let you left you out, please let me know. I want to welcome Hannah, Jennifer, um, my former co-worker and true crime friend, Caitlin, and my very, very good friend of many years, Tiffany. Uh, thanks to Alex, Anna, and Nancy for your messages. Those always brighten my days. Seriously, I was so down one day and I got a message from Anna telling me that she and her husband listened to the podcast. And that's the stuff that reminds you of why you're doing what you do. So thanks a lot, guys. Um, I also want to mention a podcast suggestion. My half-brother son, Nick, has a podcast called That's What We Said, and I guess it's on Spotify, Google, and Apple Music. He said the subjects range from many things. Nick said it's pretty open, so go check it out. Don't forget to listen to Murder Me a Little. It's my newest binge. Also, my new binge has been Root of Evil. Good Lord, this is amazing podcast. It's all about the Black Dahlia and the possible connection to a man named George Hadell. His son, Steve Hadell, has researched this for years, pretty much proving that his father was the killer. This podcast is absolutely fascinating. It follows various members of the Hadell family who've been impacted by not only George Hadell, but his daughter, Tamar. Now, Tamar was the mother to Fauna Hodel, and you may recall this TNT series that was out recently. Um, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was, I did not watch it um, because it was mostly fiction, and I feel that that's not good because it's not putting good information out there, and actually, I think uh, Steve Hodel wrote something on Facebook to that effect, too. Instead, why don't you read one of his books? This guy has spent years and years and years researching it. Um, His half-sister, Tamar, she suffered abuse at the hands of her father. And this then sadly filtered down to her children. And her granddaughters, these were Fauna's daughters, 
actually put together this podcast. It's really, really heavy stuff, really heavy stuff, but it is so good. Um, so just want to say everybody stay safe. Um, I hope you're all doing well. If you need anything, reach out. Um, and I'm going to try to keep the podcast coming since we're all stuck in the house. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Catch you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.